This is Coach Chris Holtman. You're listening to Drive the Lane Podcast. Hey. All right, welcome back to Drive the Lane on the Field of 68, presented by Bet Rivers. Ladies and gentlemen, the Bucks are hot. It's a two-game stretch, but they beat IUPUI by what you'd think they would have beat two teams by combined. So it's really a three-game stretch, we'll say. Uh, we don't have a guest on this episode, but we're going to talk about the most recent games against IUPUI and Penn State and why the Bucks can build momentum from the last two games and the next two games on to Purdue, who is currently ranked number four. Get your calendars ready for June or <laughs> for January 30th. Get your calendars ready for June, but January 30th, we got Purdue. We'll start with this. Joey, a couple guys showed up tonight that haven't showed up this year. Some guys in different areas of the stat sheet than normal. Give me your IUPUI Ohio State takeaways because we can we can spare the IUPUI takeaways. Yeah, poor IUPUI, poor Uwe Pui, man. They are a train wreck. <laughs> we, we were talking about it before. Their only win is against Spalding, and, and we just think that Spalding is just a team made up of guys that work at the Spalding Basketball Center. That's the ball. And, and test the basketball. Yeah, exactly. And that's Andrew's joke, not my joke. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, yeah, the, it is what it is, right? Like you're playing one of the worst teams in college basketball. The result is expected, but it's different for this team because, um, they were on a long COVID pause. They haven't hit their stride since like, there's something to be said about playing a basketball game that counts against a different opponent than just yourself in practice with refs and fans in the stands like that matters. And you can't get an you can't get enough of those. It's important. So number one, to get another game on the schedule from, you know, the fact that we lost a few because of COVID is, is awesome. Couple that with the fact that as a team, we shot the ball really well, 80 plus points, 11 threes, getting um, productive minutes from a bunch of different guys, you know, going into the game, Holtman knows that just about one through 10, they're all going to play 20 minutes. You know, like, you know, the game is at hand before it even tips off. I'm pretty sure I heard the student section chanting, start the buses when we were up two to zero, which is pretty funny. Um, but you know, you get some productive minutes from a lot as a lot of contributors, you get to be out there on the court and play another basketball game. And it gives you momentum and swagger. Like they were having fun and Harrison Hookfin gets in the game and guys get to cheer for him. Like they've missed that because of a tough non-conference schedule and literally two weeks plus of not playing basketball. Like they haven't had very many positive basketball moments recently. You know, like the game against Nebraska was awesome. Awesome win, but it was a grind and it was them getting back. Then you lose it in the end in a game you had no chance of winning basically the whole time. You lose to Wisconsin without having – um, you know, any chance of winning that game either. And then you, you beat Penn State. Which, it's great. You know, that's awesome. You beat Penn State, but, like, you beat Penn State. Northwestern, obviously, great win also, but Holdman's not coaching. That's a weird game. Like, so, all that to say, IUPUI was great timing. It was awesome that the coaches scheduled this game because, really, a main point of emphasis is, like, there are levels to the next few games on this schedule – um, and it's a really important part. Like this is like the halfway point of the season kind of, right? You know, you got the non-conference games, you've got the front half of the big 10 games. 
you couple, you mix in an IUPUI and Ooey Pooey in there. And now it's like, all right, now let's see what we got in the second half of the year. What I think is interesting about moving forward from this game is Cedric Russell and Eugene Brown are two completely different guys that if they can give you something, it's important. But let me explain why they're so different. Cedric Russell needs the confidence. He needs to feel confident shooting threes. He needs to feel confident taking the ball to the basket, maybe getting to the free throw line. Eugene Brown is going to do what Eugene Brown does no matter what. So the question for Eugene Brown is a matter of minutes. Does he start taking some of Justin's minutes? Is this a fluke because it's IUPUI? Versus Cedric Russell is more, okay, we saw you make all your shots tonight, but can you do that like you did in the Duke game? Can you do that but give us two or three buckets, you know? So yeah. I think the Nebraska and Minnesota game are going to be almost, and at this point in the season, you don't love doing it, but – if, if justice is still not back, you're looking at a couple of potential feel out games where, you know, maybe they experiment with Eugene Brown, the starting lineup, maybe Cedric Russell is the first guard off the bench. If, if Michi Johnson still, you know, is out. So it's going to be a weird mid season experimental thing, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. If it pays off Cedric Russell, we and you were talking about this the other day. We were like, why didn't, you know, Holtman, why did the staff go out there and get like, a second legit score. And the answer is, you know, they might've thought they had something with Cedric Russell. So I think those two guys are the two biggest takeaways of like, Hey, what is their minutes going to look like going further? And like I said, Cedric is confidence. Eugene is, can we find the time? Yeah. I think you're spot on. I think that, you know, there's four guys that really got a ton of run tonight that don't get a ton of running games. Eugene Brown and Cedric Russell, who you mentioned, as well as Jimmy Sotos and Joey Brunk. And Jimmy Sotos and Joey Brunk, I think, fall into a different category because they have quite literally been there and done that. You know, Jimmy Sotos has played a ton of games. He's averaged double digits. He's He has averaged seven assists in a season. Like, been there, done that. Joey Brunk has played at Butler. He's played at Indiana. Like, he's been there, done that. You know that having those guys as last resorts sort of deal, for lack of a better term, are great to have. But guys like Gene Brown – and guys like Jimmy Sotos, or I mean, excuse me, and Cedric Russell, like exactly what you're saying. Those guys are like impact options that you could have. Uh, and, and I'm the first guy I say it on the time, all the time on Twitter. Eugene Brown needs more minutes. I'm, I, I just love what he brings to the table. He brings a component of defense that, you know, is kind of lacking on the team. Ton of rebounding. And he can hit an open shot, make layups, crash the boards on offense. I think that's, that's a huge, a huge benefit. Cedric Russell, obviously a little bit more finesse can hit some open shots. A team that has been lacking from the three-point line lately, I think that's an asset as well. It's just a matter of where do they fit in, right? Eugene Brown might start to take some adjusted minutes, and, you know, I love Justin more than anybody on the planet, but rightfully so at some point, you know, Justin's a shooter, and if you're not making shots, what are you doing for me beyond being a great leader, which he is? And Justin's awesome, and talk about a last resort. Like, he's a great guy to say, you know what, we're going to – we're going to bench him for Eugene Brown. Like what a luxury to have, you know what I mean? Yeah, but, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it's interesting. Like if justice soon comes back, where's he fit in? Like, obviously he's going to start and play a ton. And, and Michi's out right now, you know? So exactly, it's, so it's an embarrassment went. of riches for the staff right now. It, it's interesting. Eugene Brown needs to play more. I, I love the guard rotation when you bring Michi. And I think that what they had going guard wise was great. Cause that was always the question mark. 
was the guard position. Now it's like, okay, where will justice fit in? Should Eugene Brown start? And in my opinion, Justin needs like a reset. You know, he needs a, he needs something. Cause he's just, he went from shooting at a close to 50% clip to now he's shooting at a close to 25, 30% clip. It's something's got to give. I think he's the first person that would say, I'm okay with coming off the bench. I, the most selfless guy I know, one of the best teammates that I had at Ohio state, he hit a couple shots tonight. Hopefully that gives him some, some momentum, but there's no doubt about it. You need to find some more minutes for Eugene Brown. He was awesome tonight. I think part of it is that we played IUPUI, but uh, again, all of this is a great, are great problems to have, you know, Joey Bronx, the guy who can start. Jimmy Soto's the guy who could start. Obviously, Cedric Russell and, and Eugene Brown can start as well. Uh, you know, and I, and Justice Soon and Michi Johnson are just sitting there waiting for their turn. Yeah. So it, it'll be it'll be. I think you're you're right about the fact that the next few games, like if if shit isn't working, Holman's going to try something different, which he hadn't been in the past few games. Let me give you a let me give you an interesting interesting stat. Yeah. So Justin Arns last year. 5.7 points in 18 minutes a game. This year, 27 minutes a game, only 7.1 points per game. You got to think that, and that might have been a little higher a few weeks ago, but you got to think that going into the season, they were thinking he was going to be hitting two to three threes a game, you know, closer to that, closer to that eight or nine number, if not 10. So I don't think it's, it, I, Correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't this happen last year where he kind of slumped a little bit and they did yeah. like a, they're always yeah. moving him in and out of the starting lineup. It was more matchup based last year, I feel like. Yeah, I think it's interesting because he's one of the guys who had COVID also, you know, so like that could absolutely have something to do with it. But yeah, you're right. I mean, as a shooter, like there's ebbs and flows. Like he's gonna keep working hard, he's gotta keep shooting. And the beauty about Justin Arns is every shot he shoots, you think it's going in. So as an opponent, as an opposing staff you're still game planning as if he's going to make every shot that he shoots and you don't want him to shoot any threes. And that causes, you know, this elite gravitational pull that he has in the game, whether he's making shots or not. So at the very least, that's what he brings on offense. But like, it's only a matter of time before the seal is just launched off and the man is hitting three threes in a game, going four for five, going five for eight. You know what I mean? Like, it's just a matter of time. And uh, hopefully it's sooner rather than later. But, like, I got all the belief in the world in the kid, and, and he will come back, and he'll be great. It's, but it's like maybe he needs a reset. Maybe he does. Let's fast, let's fast forward for a quick second because we're talking about the roster here. Let's fast forward to, like, uh, February 6th. And just looking at the schedule, they play Maryland February 6th. Let's say everybody's back, okay? They're obviously – they're definitely going to go seven deep. But let's say they cap it at eight for rotation of a big game down the stretch, eventually Big Ten tournament, March Madness. Who do you think that eight is? You don't have to say starters versus bench, but, like – because we just named guys that we think need to get in the rotation potentially, but we named nine or ten guys. So who do you think yeah. the eight are? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, in the front court, it's Zed Key, Kyle Young, EJ Liddell. Um, obviously, Jamari Wheeler. Um, and then Justice is healthy. Justin Arns is playing. Um, so you got, two, you got two spots left now for, you know, you didn't even, did you say Malachi? No, Ma- Malachi. Yeah. And – you know, if we're capping it at eight, Michi? I mean, probably Michi. Yeah. 
But like, I, I just and you're happy with you're happy with foul trouble and and Eugene Brown's your guy coming in, right? I just don't. But yeah, it's just eight. It's just not the number for this team. I, I, it's it's interesting because like Seth Towns even comes back. Like he might be in the rotation, probably not. But yeah, it's uh, Cedric Russell's got to fit in there too. But the best teams in the country are the teams that more often than not are have a smaller bench, right? You know, um, which is interesting. It's like almost like, damn, you wish you could just combine these guys and just have five guys that are all playing forty minutes who are great versus versus four guys who are great and three other guys that are solid. You know, well, I think like, the, I think the smaller benches work because those are the guys that get the most reps in practice. They get the most in game reps, but right now there's not, you know, seven or eight guys that have proven or are healthy to be getting seven or eight guys worth of reps, you know? Yeah. It's just wild. I know. It's just an interesting dynamic. Like, college basketball is so weird because night in and night out, you just don't know what some guys are going to give you. Like in the NBA, it's a little bit different because you've got like a set rotation and you know, when you're subbing into games and you know that if a guy is going, he's going to stay in and blah, blah, blah. But like at the same time, like the one thing that's consistent between the two, and I think is more so in college is like your role players are awesome at home and they help you win big games at home, but sometimes they disappear on the road. And that's why it's great to have like a bench of like nine or 10 guys. Right. Because um, Nebraska, obviously like Malachi was unbelievable, but what if he wasn't like, we would have struggled a ton and we would have needed someone instead of him at home. Cedric Russell was awesome tonight. He was awesome against Duke. Justin Ahrens, I think back to like games where he had 30 against Iowa when he was the, the, the literal definition of a role player as a freshman who just came in to shoot threes. Like you, there those games happen at home, but it's on the road where the bench being having a lot of depth helps because some guys just ain't got it on the road sometimes, which is, that's just college hoops. Um, but yeah, it's interesting because it, it is a question of, and I said this with, with uh, you know, on Sirius XM radio the other day with John Crispin, like it, it's, you know, it, it definitely, comes down to like who is ej's robin you know he's batman who's his robin we can talk about it all we want but like the fact that we talk about zed key being it we talk about malachi being it we talk about justin maybe being it we talk about jamari wheeler being it like the fact that we go through all these names and oh yeah justice suing hasn't even played it's like holy moly like that you know if you it's the old saying if you got two quarterbacks you don't have one you know you don't have any that's what it kind of boils down to. So I like that guys gained some confidence tonight. I like that they got some swagger tonight. And moving forward, it's going to be interesting to see who Holtman trusts in those moments. Is it Eugene Brown? Is it Justin Arms? Is it Cedric Russell? Is it Jimmy Sotos? You know, like guys like that, you, for, in the front court, you know what you're getting. Between Kyle Young and Zed paired with EJ, you know what you're getting. It's a matter of, okay, what are these other guys going to give you? How can Holtman plug and play? Eugene Brown when he needs when we need defense, Justin Arns when we need office, Justice Suing when he's healthy, Michi Johnson in there as well. You know what fits in where, and and that's I think a big question mark moving forward. And I trust the staff and I believe in them, obviously. So moving forward, the next few games, you know, we were talking about this a little bit before we started recording, but you look at Nebraska and on Twitter today, there was some talk that they're 
entering into some COVID trouble. Hopefully the game still gets played. Minnesota. Minnesota. Minnesota is? I thought it was Nebraska. No, Minnesota is. Okay, so the Nebraska Nebraska game is good? Yeah. That's the next game, Nebraska. Yeah, Yeah, and just for whatever it's worth, not before you get on a tangent, that's uh, the captain's game where I get honored at halftime, so. Against Nebraska? Yeah. Well, I just heard it's canceled. Stop. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, all right, so let's say the Nebraska game – the Nebraska game is going to happen as scheduled. That should be a win. That has to be a win. Has to. Kind of what we were saying. And then you go to Minnesota. Joey, you'll give your comment on, you know, the outcome of that game, what has to happen. But let's say both of those games happen. I think the bench gets shorter and shorter – each game moving towards Purdue. I think Holtman would like to have eight, nine going into that Purdue game. And I think guys are going to have a chance to, you know, quote unquote, prove it in the Nebraska, Minnesota games. Hopefully they both happen. Yeah. I mean, we talked about it. I do. I wouldn't be surprised if they're these next two games are a real like tryout for a lot of guys just to see what they you know, how, whether they get four minutes in a game or 10 sort of deal. Right. Um, Obviously shit happens and things will change, but I agree with you. I I think that the way that I kind of looked at this four game stretch and because like in the season, there's a lot of things that come in fours uh, that we talk about. For example, every four minutes, there's a TV timeout and we call that a four minute war. So you try to win every four minute war and take each game like it's, it's, like each war is its own individual game. You obviously, you win all the wars, you're going to win the game. So that's something that we talk about a ton. Similar things like four game stretches. Um, and right now this four game stretch that started with IUPUI is a classic example of going like there's levels to each game and it ramping up as it goes, which is nice, especially coming off of the COVID pause. Um, IUPUI is like a layup, right? I, I mean, not only is it a game that you are supposed to win, you're supposed to win by a hundred. Like, we is there anything tonight. easier than a layup? Um, it's like tying your shoes. Yeah, it's like tie, It's like waking up. It's like it's like showing up. Like yeah. that's like beating IUPUI is like showing up. Like you're not only you're supposed to win, you're supposed to win by a hundred. It's supposed to be easy. Everyone's supposed to contribute. Everyone's supposed to get minutes. Blah 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 blah. Um, and, and it happened. So thank God for that. And I'm glad that the outcome happened that way. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a game to prove yourself, prove why you should be getting minutes, get your feet back under you, gain some momentum, some swagger going into the rest of the big 10 season. Like we said a hundred times already, then you move on to Nebraska home game against the worst team in the conference. You have to win that game. Also granted you're playing against a team that you just beat in overtime. They've, they know your stuff. It's hard to win in the Big Ten. They're better, more athletic, more talented players than IUPUI. But at the end of the day, you're supposed to win that game and more, more often than not do it handedly as well. Then we talk about the Minnesota game. That's a little bit of a better team and it's on the road. We've talked about this a billion times. It's hard to win on the road in the Big Ten. Couple that with the fact that Minnesota has been hot for stretches, been cold for stretches. They're a better team than 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 uh, Nebraska. It's on the road. Like you gain some momentum from IPUI, you gain more momentum from Nebraska. And now Minnesota's like, all right, here's our next test. You know, it's like fifth grade algebra when it's like, all right, like I've done multiplication, I've done division, I know addition. Now it's like, all right, 
let's see what I can do when you put little letters and I have to solve both sides of the equation sort of deal. It's tough, but very winnable. And if you, you're supposed to win that game, if you want to contend to win the big 10, which we are right now in the midst of contending for the big 10. So that leads me to obviously the next game is Purdue. And that is as hard of a game as you'll have in the big 10. Luckily we've ramped it up on the way here. We played a shitty IUPUI team. You played an average Nebraska team at home. You played a good Minnesota team on the road and hopefully won that game. Now you're playing the best team in the conference. I don't care if it's on the road or at home, you're playing the best team in the conference. That's when it's like, okay, by that point on fingers crossed, if you're an Ohio state fan, Ohio state is back to our pre COVID selves. We've proved it in every way, shape and form. Now it's like, all right, are we for real? Are we for real to win the big 10? Are we for real to contend for an elite eight, sweet 16, final four sort of run? What do we got in the tank? And that's where we'll find it out. So it's, it's, it's exciting that there, we, that it, we lucked out that we have a stretch like this. You know, we joked about how, you know, the season, you, you once you play a really good team, you might have a couple nights off with some average teams before you play another good team. They don't stack the schedule against you. This is a perfect example of, okay, bad, good, you know, bad, average, good, great sort of deal, right? Like we get right up through it and we'll see what we're made of in this stretch. Like Nebraska, and you know, if we want to keep, if we want to keep going with the, basketball analogies right nebraska or uh, IUPUI is the layup nebraska is a free throw minnesota is a three and purdue's a half court shot so we'll i mean we'll see what we're made of there's no doubt about it we'll see what we're made of we're pretty good at half court shots you and i absolutely they, I mean, yeah. they get a bad rap they're not that hard <laughs> yeah All right. honestly ask ask uh ask our guy Diebler about half court shots he those are layups to him so so I pulled up your tweet about hit me with questions. A lot of them we honestly hit with just all the things we talked about, you know, how to get Eugene Brown and Jimmy more minutes. Um, do you have any more years of eligibility? You answered that. No. Yes. Three more years. Uh, does the starting lineup need to be changed? We answered that. How do you get the younger guys slash newer guys more minutes? But there's two here that I want to present to you. Sure. The first one is, I'm going to kind of rephrase a little bit. Do you think Kyle Young is is still a little banged up right now? I think that all, everybody's banged up. Uh, I mean, Kyle Young has been banged up since he was born. Like, I mean, that's just the nature of Kyle Young. I think that a couple of different things. Number one, a game like this, like, uh, unless he's really hurt, who cares? Like, he, this is not a game for Kyle Young. Unless he was, when he used to be in the Eugene Brown role, then it was a game for Kyle Young. Right. You know, like... Holman is not putting him out there and wasting his precious Kyle Young minutes in a game against IUPUI. You know what I mean? Um, do I think he's hurt and banged up? Probably. He, he always will be banged up. I think that this COVID pause has caused a lot of guys to look banged up as well. You, you think Justin Arns, there's something wrong with him. The first few games of EJ Liddell, you thought something was up with him, you know, like, so do I think Kyle's banged up? Sure. I do. I, I don't think it's banged up to a point where it's going to impact him. I think that he's a guy that, a banged up Kyle Young giving you 15, 20 minutes is better than just about any other guy in the Big Ten in the front court. So, um, I, 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 I th- yeah, do I think he's banged up? Sure, a little bit. I don't think it'll affect him moving forward. I think that this game was basically a rest game for him. I would imagine, I'm sure you're looking at the stats, Olden. He played less than 15 minutes, I bet, tonight. Um, so, I, I'm not worried about the guy. He's as tough as they come. Uh, I'm reading the question now. Uh, is he a shell of his 
best self. Like, yeah, I think he is a little bit, but like, he's just got a different role. Zed Key plays a ton. EJ plays a ton. Like when he's out there with Joey Brunk, he can't be Kyle Young. Kyle Young can only be Kyle Young when EJ and Zed are out there when he is, you know, when he, he doesn't get any attention, you know what I mean? So I, I would agree. The last part of the question is he's playing at all conference level last year until he got hurt. Like, yeah, I, I, I would agree. Like, I, I don't think he is the hundred percent Kyle Young that he's ever been, but he'll be just fine moving forward. I feel like, and this is not knock on Kyle Young. I feel like Kyle Young has, has, has maxed out. Like he's, he shoots the ball a little more this year and he's definitely improved as a, as a three point shooter, but like Zed key drastically improved his game from last year to this year. Yeah, and Kyle, Kyle Young is kind of just like his plateau is his peak is good, but he's kind of plateaued at that peak, which is not right. Bad. Yeah. It's just like the classic, like Kyle Young's got the highest floor in the history of college basketball. Like the ultimate energy guy, great teammate, is going to get you buckets is going to get you rebounds. You know what you're getting every night from him. And he might hit a couple threes. He might do He might end up with 18 points in a game just by playing hard. And that's like an awesome ceiling to have, but he's got the highest look, the highest floor as well. Whereas a guy like Zed key higher ceiling, but probably a little bit of a lower floor just because he doesn't bring the same stuff to the table. Yeah. Um, but Zed key is obviously a better player than Kyle. Just they're different. They're yeah. just different, but yeah, Kyle Young's got a different peak because it's just the way he plays. And, and especially when he's played for a hundred years, like he's gotten better for as he's gone on, but this year has been weird because he's just been dealing with a lot of stuff. He's just been dealing with a lot of stuff and he just became a dad. Shout out to Kyle. Do we even congratulate on that? Shout out to Kyle. Kyle. He's not just, <laughs> he's not just uh Michigan's dad anymore. Now he's got his own kid. Hey, yo. All right. And there's one more question from, your good friend, Timmy Hall, our good friend, Timmy Hall. Yes, sir. Um, thoughts on the fast break and how important pushing the ball can be. Can Ohio State force themselves to be something they are not, which I think for – they definitely scored on the fast break tonight, but there was like a stretch of like 70 game minutes where they hadn't scored. Compliments yeah. of Adam Jardy for the number. Yes, I remember seeing that and thinking like, wow, that is 100% true. Like it's crazy, but yeah um, – I think this is a, it's a great question and it, and it absolutely needs to be addressed. Uh, it's bizarre, right? Like Ohio state has Holman's always want us to play fast and opportunistic and take a, a, a really good first shot. But at the same time, Pete and Holman, whoever's talking offense have always stressed the importance of getting a paint touch before, you know, we score because there are stats to back that up and analytics that, you know, when we get a paint touch and then you shoot a three, the three point percentage is 10 points higher. We have half a point per possession higher when we get a paint touch. You know, stats like that are important and it makes you slow down the game because you want to get a paint touch to score. Uh, and a paint touch can come in a variety of different ways, Andrew. Do you know, uh, can, can you give me some examples of a paint touch? A post up. Yep. Driving the ball yourself. Yep. Offensive rebound. Does that count? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and the only other way would be like if a guy like cut back door and, yeah. you know, it's in the paint or whatever. So, yeah, it, you're spot on. So, paint touches are really important for our offense. It's a lot of what we're geared on, especially because we play as inside out as any team in the country. But we could do a better job of being more opportunistic. Like, there's no harm in getting some easy shots. You know, a fast break, throw ahead, Justin Arn's three-pointer, there's not a better shot that you can really get. 
an open three-pointer by one of the best shooters in the conference. So I would say that forcing ourselves to be something we're not at times is fine. I think we need to be more opportunistic. I think that's the best way to kind of phrase it. If it's there, take it. Jamari Wheeler in the open court is awesome. He's a great passer. He's a really like improved finisher and better than people give him credit for around the rim. Uh, and I it's like said, key, if he is a guy that gets down there and runs the floor, well, like give him the rock. EJ Liddell runs the floor as, as well as any big in the entire conference. It's just a matter of like, again, like being mystic, uh, you know, like a, a throw ahead, EJ Liddell trailing the play behind him pass, pass three is an awesome shot of, uh, some people wouldn't consider this a fast break, but it is kind of where if Zed Key's the first big down the court, he's trained to seal his guy off and ask for a post up. What happens is Jamari Wheeler drives down the floor. And if he doesn't have a straight line drive to the rim, he is waiting for either a ball screen from EJ or a pass back to EJ and EJ is looking at him. So what some people would not consider a fast break, I would consider this a fast break. Jamari, driving to the elbow, has nothing, throws it back to EJ, who immediately rifles it inside to Zed. Zed, one dribble, crab hook, or crab dribble, hook shot. We scored in seven seconds, but that might not be a fast break point. That's where we need to be a little bit more opportunistic. Another thing that's happened a few times, and this obviously is not the answer to why the fast break, but like there's been a lot of times where Jamari Wheeler steals the ball and then they throw the ball away. That has happened a good, a good amount of times, which has got to be frustrating for, you know, Jamari. So, Joey, I want to end with this. I don't know if you are a frequent ESPN radio listener. All the shows kind of have their own version of, like, a love it or shove it, like, book it. So I'm trying to think what our term could be. I got a couple questions for you. You're going to kind of tell me, just say yes or no. Because we and then what, what, is there? Can we? You're a smart guy on your feet. Like, what should we call it? Well, I was gonna say like, like, make it or take it. But those both mean those both are a good thing. We could just do buy or sell. It's the classic PTI. All right, buy or sell. But sell means you don't think it's gonna happen for all those people out there. Because sometimes sell is good. Sometimes sell means you made a profit. So just so everyone knows, sell right. is. Are you buying it? Do you want it? Or are you selling it? You don't want it. Right. All right, you ready? Yeah. Malachi Branham, one and done. Selling. Um, I would – it's funny you say that because I have a really close friend who works for Sports Illustrated and is, is he's their draft guy, Jeremy Wu. We've had him on the show. He has been texting me nonstop about Malachi in a great, very positive way because after that Nebraska game, he's turned some heads. I mean, he's six foot five with a 6'10 wingspan, can shoot the three, good playmaker, good rebounder, plays defense. Like, Absolutely. He's you're not doing a good job of the buy or sell, by the way, but I'm selling because he could, yeah, he could go and he could go and picks 45 through 60. Like he could just based off of the projections. And I think that's if, and, and now I'm doing a bad job of keeping it quick, but that's if the draft is tomorrow, because if right. he has a few more Malachi Branham crazy games, then people overdraft. That's not a negative on Malachi. That's just, I've mentioned I'm, that before. I'm selling. I'm selling because he fits the bill of, all right, great season. Let's build on it and be the guy next year and turn myself into a lottery pick. That's why I'm selling. All right. Buy or sell Ohio state is a top four seed in the big 10 tournament. Um, By the year's end, I'm buying, I'm buying. Um, I think that 
You're not doing a good. It's just it's on to the next one. It's a quick rapid fire buy or sell. Oh, I can't explain. All right, buy, buy. All right, the fourth oh. seed. We're the fourth seed. Ohio State makes the Sweet Sixteen in March Madness. Buy or sell. Buying, buying. Too good of a player in EJ Liddell. He can win you two games by himself. All right, I, I can't think of any more because we just came up with the segment on the spot. Um, Andrew, give me a couple. Buy, give me a couple. Buy, buy or sell. Are you? Is Baker Mayfield the starting quarterback for the Browns next year? Ooh. Is he, or do I want him? It's too no, far Baker quiet. Mayfield is the starting quarterback for the Browns. Buy or sell. Week one, I'm buying. Okay. Week uh, four, I'm selling. The, the Cleveland Cavaliers are a legit threat in the East. Um, I'm selling. They're not a legit threat. I mean, the Bulls aren't even a legit threat when you got the Bucks and the Nets and the Heat. So I'm, I'm selling. I'm selling as well. Um, okay, Zach. Le- we're both Bulls guys. Zach Levine and Demar Derozan starting guards in the All Star game. Sell because it's stupid fan fan vote. Buy if I'm picking and players are picking and stuff. Well, I I had this conversation with Jalen, who obviously knows as well as anybody. He said. His opinion was they should be starters. Yeah, they won't be. So I'm buying the I'm buying the, the the concept, but I'm selling the reality of it. Okay. Um, buy or sell. This is also a, a Jalen topic. Buy or sell. Ben Simmons is the worst All Star in NBA history. I would need to look through the buy list. or sell, Andrew. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna sell that. Because I okay. think the jury's still out. He could have a he could have a resurgence. Um, all right. Buy or sell. Wait, actually, I'll ask you off air because I don't want to give anything away about Jalen. Buy. No, we're not giving anything away. I don't know anything more than anybody. Buy else. or sell. Brunson's on the on the Mavs in March. Ooh, I'm I'm selling. I think. Okay. I think I'm selling. So I, so I, I, I guess the Mavs I, are too. I don't know. I don't know. My opinion on this and I've had a bajillion people ask me about this, which is fun. Like it's fun stuff. It it all boils down to number one, do the Mavs think they can contend for the championship this year? Probably not. Right. And number two, are they going to pay him? If they're going to pay him, then you keep him. If they're not going to pay him, you got to, you got to trade him to get something in return, right? Does does contending mean they keep or trade? Because what if they trade him for, you know, a Jeremy Grant, and that would be more of a we think we can contend. So I think it depends. That's a good point, but Jeremy Grant is not what they need. Well, I'm just I'm just saying. I'm just saying, there. I'm just saying like, I don't know. How, like, what they need is a, a second scoring threat at the guard position. Yeah. They thought it would be like a Tim Hardaway Jr., but it's been Jalen. Like, yeah. they would be trading away what they need, kind of, just for Mavs specific. Right. Um, what, about, what about buy or sell the air fryer? My girlfriend, Brittany, just looked at me. Buy. Buy the air fryer. I'm buying so hard. I've made like eight meals in the air fryer the last week. Chicken, steak. You ever made steak in the air fryer, Andrew? Yes. Brittany, have you? She has. Oh, my God. Unbelievable. That's Brittany's field of, that's Brittany's field of 68 debut. <laughs> hey, welcome. Um, a little, little salt, little pepper, little garlic powder. All I did on the steak, throw it in the air fryer, put it put it in for 16 minutes, flip it after eight, and it was literally – it was a little bit too done. I'd probably go 14 minutes next time, but like – I got a great buy or sell to finish it off. Yeah, hit me. The, the air fryer is healthy. I'm selling it. I don't believe it. It's too good. It's too good to be healthy. 
Oh no, no, I'm buying it. I'm buying I'm selling. It. It's yeah, too good. <laughs> I, don't, I don't believe that it's you know healthy. It's too yummy. What did Chuck? What did Barkley say about Zion? If it tastes good, spit it out. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We turned that into a pretty pretty solid episode. Wait, what, that was your last buy or sell was. Well, my last buy or sell was is Jalen on the. Oh, the, I thought you said. That. Oh, okay, sorry. Then you sparked um, my mind with the. Do you, uh, uh, Andrew? What's your Dairy Queen order? They change it up too much. I'm I'm a sucker for the advertising the Blizzard. Whatever the it is. Yeah, like I they'll know. be like, "Ooh, our new our new Reese's Strawberry Blizzard." I'm like, I gotta get that. That sounds unbelievable. Yeah. I'm a sucker for a good brownie batter blizzard. Just chocolatey with brownie. I'm, I'm good. Brittany, what about you? What's your go-to Dairy Queen order? <laughs> chocolate, chocolate, and more chocolate. Chocolate, chocolate, and more chocolate. I don't like too much chocolate. I think it's too rich. Yeah, but I the brownie batter blizzard is perfect. Vanilla base with brownies in there and chocolate syrup, and that's pretty much it. And then they mix it up, and it's literally, oh, my God, I kind of – I haven't had sweets in a long time. I've been like cutting down on them major since the new year, as well as making. What was your New Year's resolution, Andrew? <laughs> the topic. New Year's resolution. I had a, I had a few. One of them was to read more, which I've yet to do. Um, That's always my New Year's resolution. I actually read a couple Alec Lewis stories. Shout out to Alec Lewis. Oh, I, another shout out. Sorry, Eugene Brown has been Chris Enright, who is uh, who you know too, Andrew, uh, my roommate from college. Like. Chris Enright has been saying to me every single day, Eugene Brown needs to play more. He needs to start. He needs to play more. And then he was awesome tonight. He said, if you don't give me a shout-out on the podcast tonight, I, we're not friends. So okay. there's a shout-out. Sorry. And shout-out to Alec Lewis, obviously. Shout-out to Alec Lewis. When, when baseball season starts again, I want to I wanna get him on. Yeah, perfect. We talk so much baseball. That would be yeah. an elite episode. We could talk Guardians. <laughs> yeah, we could talk Guardians. We could talk – oh, my God. The list goes on and on. All right, we were, wor- we were worried about not making enough time out of this episode. Now I think it's going to go too long. So, Buckeyes got a big stretch coming up. Beat Nebraska. Minnesota beat COVID. And then Buckeyes beat Minnesota. And then beat Purdue. And then the beat Iowa. And well, we'll beat- talk to you before Purdue. Yeah, we'll talk to you before all that. But buckle up. Drive the lane. Go Buckeyes.